Welcome to the Calvary Assembly Podcast, with weekly messages from the Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. So John chapter 20, we started a series a couple weeks ago called Risen, and we've been talking about the resurrection. Now, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Kenny shared the first message in that, and he said the resurrection is central to Christianity. How many of you agree with that? (laughs) The resurrection is the focus. What's what makes us different. If Jesus was never resurrected, we're in trouble, right? And so we talked about the resurrection being the central focus last week. We talked about the road to Emmaus after Jesus was resurrected. Remember, he talked to two disciples, and he explained the resurrection through the Old Testament. And so last week, our big idea was that the resurrection has always been the plan, right? The cross and the resurrection wasn't a backup plan. It wasn't God calling an audible because, oh, these people make horrible decisions. I need to do something different. It was always the plan. Jesus loved us enough that he always had planned to die for us. And that wasn't easy. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about doubts. Now, we did a series last year, an entire series on doubt, because there have been so many of us struggling with doubt through this whole process. But we're going to talk about one of the disciples in particular. Can you guess who? (laughs) Thomas. Poor guy gets a horrible rap. He has a doubt one time, and all of a sudden he's doubting Thomas. You know, Thomas could have been a Frisbee champion. He could have been a pro golfer, you know. Maybe he pulled an epic prank on Peter's mother-in-law, but he's never remembered for that. He's remembered for what? Doubting Thomas, right? Well, how many of you guys have ever doubted something before? Yeah, ever been there? Ever had doubts? One of my favorite stories, there was a nun who was out doing her, her rounds, taking care of her parishioners, and she ran out of gas. You know, she was trying to make it to the hospital, and she, she ran out of gas. She'd passed the gas station a couple blocks back, so she walked to the gas station and said, hey, I ran out of gas. Do you have a gas can I can borrow? And I said, I don't. I don't actually have one here. Uh, but if you can find something, we'll help you out. So she went back and she rummaged around in her car and she found a bedpan. You know, like the ones that people urinate in, you know. So she found that. I said, hey, this is a whole gas. So she went back to the gas station, filled the bedpan up with gas and walked back to her car. And she was dumping it into the gas tank. And there were these two old guys sitting on their porch watching her. And I said, if this works, I'm going to church every day for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> just, you know, doubt, right? We've all had doubts. We've all suffered from doubts. So in John chapter 20, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, uh, if you hit the events tab in there, our notes are all in there as well. John chapter 20, we're starting verse 24. Now Jesus has been resurrected. He rose from the dead. And some of the disciples saw him risen from the dead. Some of the ladies saw him. And they went back and reported to the other disciples, hey, Jesus is alive. And they said, well, I'm not sure about that. And so it says in verse 24, John chapter 20, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Because Jesus showed up to some of them. and said he wasn't with them when they came. So they told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, is this... Is this really far-fetched? This is a pretty legitimate doubt, right? Now, he knew that Jesus could raise people from the dead because he had seen it. 
He saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. They'd seen Jesus raise a little boy from the dead before. So they knew resurrection was possible. But he said, this is, this is, can you really raise yourself from the dead? Is this possible? So he said, I want to see him. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Jesus has an incredible sense of humor, right? The doors are locked. He shows up. Hey, it's okay. Peace. <laughs> I would have probably screamed like a little girl, right? And Jesus just shows up. But he says, peace be with you. Then he said, put your fingers here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. And then in verse 28, Thomas said, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed, then Jesus said to him, you believe because you see me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. So in this passage, we see that Thomas had some doubts. Now, did Jesus reprimand him? No. Did he say, Thomas, you're out of the club. You didn't believe? No. He said, here, let me show you. I want you to believe. So Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word, that you would help us in our doubts, help us to grow. Through this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see that Thomas had some doubts here. So one thing that we look at this passage and we find is that we all have doubts. We can realize through this passage, every one of us is going to doubt at some point in our lives, right? We all have times that we have doubts. Now, the COVID thing has really caused some of us to look at what's really important in our lives, right? How many of you know that when everything gets shut down, we realize, hey, there, there's some stuff that's more important than others. You know, during the, the COVID lockdown, people had to whittle their lives down to kind of the bare essentials. And as things have opened back up, people have had to look and say, you know, is that really what I want to do? Is that really that important? Guys, we've had football teams that couldn't have a team because they didn't have kids go out. Our football team last year had a couple of games. Our, our JV and reserves had a couple of games that had to be canceled because the other team didn't have enough kids to play. People are not coming back to things like they had before. People aren't coming back to church like they had before. I talk to pastors and say, I've got like half my people back. I, we've seen others that just say, you know, they're just not showing up. Some are watching online at home, but some are just not coming. Because they didn't feel like it was that important that the COVID thing caused some people to have some doubts, to look at things. And guys, it's normal to ask questions. Jesus didn't get mad at Thomas and say, you know, you really should have believed he said, here, let me help you with that, that doubt. Let me help you see this. Let me help you through this process. It's okay to have doubts. And so when things don't happen the way we think they should, when God doesn't move the way we think he should, it can cause us sometimes to have some doubts. Maybe not necessarily to doubt, is Jesus real? But to doubt, does he really love me like I thought he did? Is his plan what I thought it was? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so you can endure. And so we have to understand that Jesus knows we're going to be tempted. He knows we're going to have doubts. He knows there are going to be times in our lives when things are tough. And it's normal for us to doubt, but he will always provide a way through that. The Bible never says that when you're a Christian, you won't have problems, right? I wish it would. That would be nice. But Jesus actually says the opposite. He says, in this life, you will have troubles. But take heart because I've overcome the world. In other words, he's going to be with us through those things when we do have those doubts. 
And so, so we see that we all have doubts. It's normal reaction. And then we have to choose how to respond in those times of doubt. I have to choose what I'm going to do in those times of doubt. You have to choose what you're going to do. We have to decide if we're going to go through it. And guys, sometimes when people start doubting God, what do they do? They walk away. I've known so many people to start a relationship with Jesus, and the first time something happens, what do they say? Well, I'm out. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. I know other people who go through hard times, and they have incredible faith, and they allow God to build their faith through that trial. How many of you guys can honestly say you've had times in your lives where things have been hard, and when you got through that, your faith was stronger than it was when you went in? Yeah. Because God uses those times to build our faith. Thomas said, I won't, Thomas didn't say, I don't believe, but he said, I won't believe until I see. I won't believe until I see God's plan in action. And guys, here's the thing. Thomas had put everything into his relationship with Jesus. He was a disciple. He followed him. He left everything to follow Jesus. And then when Jesus dies, he says, whoa, wait, this is not what I signed up for. I thought Jesus was going to be a king. I thought he was going to bring in this new kingdom like, like David, his ancestor. I wasn't in for this whole resurrection thing, but he stuck around. And afterwards, we'll see here in a few minutes, after this, Thomas's faith was incredible. After he went through that time of doubt and hardship, his faith got really strong. Al and I have actually been to India. We've seen Thomas's tomb in India. Thomas became a missionary after Jesus rose from the dead, after he saw he believed he went all the way to southern India to take the gospel, and he paid the ultimate price for it. So his faith got really strong afterwards. So we have to choose how to respond, and we have to choose what to believe in times of doubt. We have to choose what to believe. What do I mean by that? Am I going to believe that Jesus is good, even though it's a hardship? Am I going to believe that God still has a plan for me, even in times of hardships? I have to choose what to believe in those times. Can I be really honest with you guys for a minute? Yesterday, we went to Carney, we went to the mall, and we were waiting on the girls because they were looking for shoes. And so Josiah and I were just kind of wandering around, you know, finding things. So we went to the toy store because, you know, guys go to toy stores. And we saw a semi, one of those die-cast semi-trucks. And it reminded me of a story I don't think I'd ever told the kids. But when Amy and I were youth pastors in Colorado, we were there, and some stuff happened that we didn't have any control over. It was a hardship. We, there were things happening in the leadership of our church, and we just said, we really don't want to be a part of this. And it, it was a long, long story. But through circumstances we couldn't control, we had to resign. We chose to resign. We said, we're going to leave because that's just the best way for all this stuff to resolve. The problem is both of us worked at the church, and we lived in the church parsonage. <laughs> so you know what happens when you quit your job and your house? You're homeless, right? So we were basically homeless. And so we went to live with Amy's parents in Iowa. So we were moving, and I was really dejected, guys. I was really upset because we loved the church. We loved the community. God was doing insane things in that church. We had kids who were not allowed on school property. They'd been kicked out so many times. They were trespassing if they showed up at school. Came to our church, and they had just given their hearts to Jesus. I mean, it was the thugs. Like, kids showed up. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> like, he's different now. It's okay. Uh, it was amazing. So we left, and I was really dejected. So we stopped in Omaha at a gas station to get gas before we did our last trek into Iowa. And Josiah, my son, saw this die-cast semi. He's like, oh, my goodness, Dad, that is so cool. Can I have that? And it was like 30 something dollars, and we were broke. 
we were homeless. I mean, we were literally homeless. We, were, we had nowhere to go. We had no jobs. We didn't know what was going to happen. And I said, son, I'm sorry, we can't buy that. And he was so dejected. You know what happens as a dad when you can't buy your kid a toy? You feel like the biggest loser on the planet. And I was, and I still, I was so sad. I said, I'm sorry, son, we can't. So yesterday we were in the mall. He's taller than me now, and he's almost 15. So he saw this truck, and I said, hey, did you ever know this? And he said, no, why do you still remember that? And I said, because that was a horrible time of life. But here's the thing I had to explain to him. At that moment when I couldn't buy that truck for him, I had some doubts. I had some doubts about God's plan for my life because this was not how things were supposed to go. I was saying, Lord, we're, we're faithful. We're trying to serve you, and we're homeless. All we have are two vehicles and a couple, <laughs> a couple things in a storage unit. What in the world is going on? What is going on with your plan? But I had, to, in that moment, I had to choose what to believe. It got really real for me. I said, I had to say, Lord, I believe that you're good. I believe that good will come from this. I believe that you have a plan for my life. And he did, and he was. And we saw that later on. We saw how God worked through that. But in that moment, it was tough for me. So I've been through this, guys. I've had those doubts. I had to say, you know, it would have been real easy for me to just go work on a farm. Because we had offers. We could have gone and worked for our relatives that were farmers. We had other, I mean, other doors are open, but I had to say, I'm all in. Lord, I'm going to follow you no matter what happens in this. So we have to choose. So guys, when we have hard times, we have doubts, we have to choose. Am I going to believe that God is good or I'm going to believe that he's out of control and I'm going to do my own thing? So it's best if we can say, Lord, I believe that you're still good. And then we understand that God works in his ways. In his timing. We have to understand that God works in his ways and God works in his timing. So here's the thing that we see here in Thomas's story. We can still be doing God's work and still suffer. Why do you think Thomas and the disciples are in a room with the doors locked? Because they were nervous. <laughs> they weren't sure what was happening. And they weren't real popular because Jesus had died and gone to the grave. And then the grave's empty. They think the disciples stole him. They think the disciples stole his body. And so they're hiding. And guys, we can be doing God's work. We can be living for Jesus and still go through times of suffering. A couple other stories, we see this. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, there's a guy named John the Baptist. Jesus' cousin. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, Jesus says, I tell you the truth of all who have ever lived. None is greater than John the Baptist. Do you know where John the Baptist was when Jesus said this? In prison. Because he told the king that, you know, he was marrying like his niece. And he said, yeah, that's, that's icky. You can't do that. That's not his words. That's my words. But you can't be having your niece as your wife. That doesn't work that way. And he was in prison. You know what eventually happened? He was beheaded. He was doing everything right, but he was still in prison when Jesus says, this is one of the greatest guys to ever live. So the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, a guy named Joseph, God gave Joseph a dream. Joseph had 11 other brothers. He gave him a dream of how Joseph was going to be one of the greatest men ever, and all his family was going to bow in front of him. To get from where he was, to get to that point, you know where Joseph had to go through? Prison, slavery. Hardships. Eventually, he became the second in command of Egypt, but it was a long road to get there. Even though he was doing things right, it was a long road to get there. We see that Thomas was in a locked room because he wasn't sure what was happening when Jesus showed up. 
And so here's the thing we need to learn from this, guys. If you get anything else out of this message today, please get this. We can't mistake God's apparent silence for absence. We can't mistake God's apparent silence for his absence. When God seems like he's silent, when it seems like God is not doing what he's, you think he should or what I think he should, it doesn't mean that he's absent. It just means that he is waiting. All those years that Joseph was in prison, God wasn't absent. He was waiting. He was waiting until Joseph was ready to do what he was supposed to be doing. When John the Baptist was in prison, God wasn't absent. He was waiting on the right time. Guys, there are going to be times in your life where it seems like God is not there. That doesn't mean that he's absent. It just means he's waiting. And again, almost all of us can say at some point in my life, I've seen that God was with me, but at the time it didn't seem like he was with me. It seemed like he was really silent. When we go through times of hardship, it doesn't mean God has left us. It means God is waiting for the right moment. And guys, sometimes those periods of waiting are the times when we get stronger. Those times when we're waiting on God to do something are the times where he's growing our strength. The times where he's growing our faith when he's preparing us. Thomas hadn't seen the resurrected Jesus and he said, well, I can't, I'm not going to wait until, I'm not going to believe until I actually see it. There's an incredible book, I've mentioned it several times, I really hope all of you read it at some point. It's called The God of the Longview, Pastor Kenny just bought it this week, I think. Uh, The God of the Longview by a guy named David Wigington. But basically, the whole book talks about God's timing. And how many of you know God works, God looks at things through the long view? We look at things this big. God looks at things this big. And sometimes when God doesn't seem to answer things we want, it's because he's going to answer it down here. It might be days later. In Joseph's case, it was years later. Sometimes, guys, God does things in our lives that people were praying for generations before. Sometimes God's answer to prayer takes generations because he knows at the right time. When we went to Sturgis just a couple weeks ago, the pastor got up and she said, this thing, this remodel in this building these guys came and did, this was an answer to prayer people who died years ago had been praying. Guys, some of us know Jesus now because some of our grandparents prayed for us for years and years and years and years and years. And they may not even be around, but they see us come to faith because they prayed for us. So just because it seems like God is silent doesn't mean that he is not there. It means he's working. Sometimes it means he's waiting. So don't mistake God's apparent silence for absence. And also don't mistake God's apparent silence for apathy. It doesn't mean that he's not there and it doesn't mean that he doesn't care. It just means he's waiting. And I put that word apparent silence in there because really he's not silent. He's always speaking to us, right? Speaking to us through his word. We talked about last week, God reveals himself through his word to us all the time if we're willing to read it. He reveals himself in lots of different ways. But don't, mis- don't mistake apparent silence for apathy. I love the story in John chapter 11. Jesus had a really good friend named Lazarus. Remember the story? Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, really great friends of Jesus. And so Jesus was out doing ministry. He was out doing the work. And somebody came and said, hey, Lazarus is sick. We should go see him. And Jesus said, let's wait a couple days. What happened in that period of time? Lazarus died. 
And so they came and told Jesus Lazarus died. And one of the shortest verses in all scripture, one kid's always memorized. They can say they memorized scripture. <laughs> it said, Jesus what? Wept. Jesus cried. He was so moved when Lazarus died that Jesus wept. But he waited a couple more days. And he said, okay, now we're going to go see Lazarus. And the disciples said, are you, are you sure? Because, <laughs> you know, he's been dead a few days. He's not going to smell very good. And Jesus said, you need to go. We need to go see this. And so in John chapter 11, verse 5, it says, although Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Jesus waited. And then he went, and we all know the story. He went to Lazarus' grave, and he said, hey, come out. Lazarus rose from the dead, came out, was totally fine. Jesus did that so the people could see his power at work. Even though it seemed like the timing was way off, he knew exactly what he was doing. Because he told the disciples, this is for your sake, then I'm not going. I want you to see this. I want you to understand. And remember when one of the sisters came out, oh, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. It was his own timing. In Matthew 11, verse 6, it says, God blesses those who don't fall away because of me. Don't quit. Just because it seems like God is silent, don't quit just because it seems like God may have forgotten about you because he hasn't. So what do we do? What do we do in the meantime? Well, we need to intentionally guard our minds. In the meantime, while we're waiting, we have to guard our minds because what happens when it seems like God is silent? What happens up here? Start thinking, oh, maybe he, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's out of control. Maybe he you know, kind of slipped and, and forgot about me. I love this quote, a guy named Art Wade Bearden says, I believe there are at least three kinds of doubt. There's intellectual doubt, emotional doubt, and moral doubt. Intellectual doubt is when our minds are unsure whether the teachings of Christianity are true. Emotional doubt is most often associated with pain. It's when we don't feel like Christianity is true. Moral doubt, the third kind of doubt, usually happens when we're tempted to disbelieve Christianity because we don't want it to be true. So in these times, we have to intentionally pursue our relationship with God because we have to pursue it because sometimes we get that intellectual doubt, well, maybe this isn't true. Then there's emotional doubt when I feel like this is hard. Is God really good? Is God really with me in this hard time? And then there's what he called moral doubt. That's when I don't want it to be true because it's inconvenient for me at this time. So what do we do? We guard our minds by pursuing our relationship with God. Guys, let me tell you, in the times when it seems like God is the furthest away, those are the times we need to push in the most in our relationship with him because those are the times we're going to grow. Those times you get up on Sunday morning and say, I would rather be anywhere in the world but at church today. Right? You ever felt those ways? Those are the times we need to come the most. Those times you say, I really don't feel like reading my Bible today. I'd rather do something else. You know, I need to mow the yard. I need to give the dog a bath. I need to whatever. Those are the times we need to read it the most because that's when we're saying, Lord, I am pushing in. I am pursuing you. Those are when we grow the most. We have to be intentional about pursuing it, even in times of doubt and questioning and pain. And then we need to learn from our times of doubt and our times of hardship. Joseph Remember that story I told you in the Old Testament? Joseph grew during that time. During those times in prison, Joseph learned organizational skills that he needed when he became second in command of Egypt, when he saved the nation from famine. 
Mary and Martha, when they were waiting on Jesus to come and see Lazarus, when Lazarus rose from the dead, guess what happened to their faith? It got real strong real quick, didn't it? Thomas, when Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I see him, when he put his hands in his side and he saw those nail scars in his hands, guess what happened to Thomas? His faith solidified. He grew through that and he became a missionary. He went out as far as he could get, sharing Jesus with people. And he ended up being martyred there on the side of a hill. And so we have to learn from those things. Another author, Sherry Bell, she said, God knows that we'll have questions and doubts because we can't see the big picture like he does. That's why he repeatedly tells us in his word to trust. But God also tells us to pursue the development of our faith. Doubt is a great motivator to fuel this pursuit. I love that. Doubt is a great motivator to pursue our relationship with him, to keep growing, to keep pushing in during those hard times. And then we have to remind ourselves the truth. We have to remind ourselves of the truth. Because when we're in times of doubt, what are you going to hear in your mind over and over again? God doesn't care about you. Jesus forgot about you. Otherwise, you wouldn't be having these hardships. People don't care about you because you're going through this. So during those times, we have to continually remind ourselves what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the Great Commission. We all know that. But at the very end of that Great Commission, when he says, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What does it say right after that? And I will be with you to the very ends of the age. He will never leave us. So in those times of hardship, when we hear those lies coming in over and over again, we have to remind ourselves, I believe. I know that he's with me, even though it doesn't feel like it. Somebody asked the worship team to come back up this morning if they would. And if you're physically able, would you stand this morning? Right where you're at, we're just going to ask you to stand up. And we're going to pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning that your word gives us stories of when people got things right, but it also shares stories with us when people kind of mixed up. And Lord, we thank you for this story this morning from Thomas. And even though Thomas doubted, you still loved him. And we see these other times in scripture with John the Baptist and these others. When they went through hard times and difficult times, you were still with them. So what I just pray all across this room this morning, there are some here, for those watching online as well, that are in times of a crisis of faith. They're in times where their, their faith is shaken. They're in a hardship and they're struggling with that. Lord, would you encourage them this morning? Would you build their faith?